Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Indianapolis, AFC South, Stampede Blue, let's air it out, fly route, let's air it out, topics, loaded like offense, co-centric, talk about it often, Stampede Blue, let's air it out, fly route, let's air it out. Welcome back to another Stampede Blue Colts cast, ladies and gentlemen, I'm your host Matt Danley, thank you guys for coming back to the show, a uh, little bit of a break over the weekend, obviously with the Thursday night game, uh, didn't put anything out, just had a birthday, had a little bit of other stuff going on and kind of figured... Uh, we'll relax, get a full week of shows up this week. Should be a good week for uh, for content, obviously. Uh, we're going to kind of break down a little bit, you know, uh, of the game uh, from Thursday, just a little bit, kind of in, in, in short. <clears throat> and then we're going to get into uh, where the Colts are at after that week five game in uh, their pro football focus grade. So uh, we've got a little bit going on here. So uh, let, let's kind of dive into it as we uh, as we get ready for the week six slate, which uh, has the Colts traveling to the New York Jets. And we'll talk a little bit about that as well. Um, all in all, I mean, just instant reactions. The Colts were so banged up <clears throat> and they just never really, I mean, especially in the first half, couldn't get a lot of things going. Some drops, I mean, a lot of drops. There was a lot of miscues, um, you know, a little bit here and there. I think that the Colts played pretty well in the second half. I mean, 21 points of their, you know, uh, it just they, – they put they finally put something together. There were still some issues in the second half. I mean, they still lost, missed out on some, some key opportunities, I think. But you had a couple turnovers. I thought the Colts did pretty well in general in the second half. There, there were still – you know, Andrew Luck just came to play. And it was obvious, and, and some people are even downplaying that because of the situations that the game brought about. But, I mean, Andrew Luck was phenomenal in, in this game. I just really thought that, in, in general, that the Colts, they were the benefit, even in the second half a little bit, of kind of the New England Patriots um, kind of checking out at, at a couple, for a couple drives. They didn't look crisp. You know, New England did not look anything like they did in the first half, in the second half, especially in the third quarter. And I think that the Colts were good to take advantage of that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not necessarily downplaying it. I'm just saying that the Colts were in a situation where New England thought they were kind of on cruise control, and the Colts ended up being, you know, the beneficiaries of that. And they And like I said, they made the plays to kind of put the points up on the board. They got within a score at one point. That was – you know, the, the just that's kind of what I'm getting at. Once they got to that, down, you know, they were only down one score, and then it looked like, okay, now we're going to, you know, get after it a little bit. And the Patriots responded and, and took control of the game. All in all, Andrew Luck 
was 38 of 59 for 365 yards, three touchdowns, a couple picks. He was only sacked once. Uh, those touchdowns were fantastic, good plays. Uh, the two interceptions, obviously, the one was awful where he threw it to, I think he was throwing to Naheem Hines, and it just it just was bad. He didn't look at him until the split second as he throws the ball. The other one, you know, you can't really do too much about Pascal having that ball in his hands and all ultimately kind of throwing it up in the air. It was uh, <clears throat> not good. I mean, but like I said, you can't really – This and this is what we get to when we talk about interceptions in general – not all of them are created equal. For example, even on Brady's, especially the one to Gronk, you know, that's a drop. That is a drop that was, you know, put together by Matthias Farley. You give Matthias Farley the credit for hitting Gronk the way he did to toss that ball up in the air. Ultimately, it's an interception, but it's not really Brady's fault. You guys get what I'm getting at with all of this. But, uh, you know, I, I thought that there were some pretty solid play overall from a lot of these guys because a lot of these guys like Darius Leonard was out Matthew Adams had to step in uh, we had a lot of guys hurt Danico Autry was hurt in the game Clayton Gathers was hurt in the game I mean there were several Anthony Walker got knocked out I'm certain of that you could see when his arms tightened up he was done and that is scary that the Colts are going into week six with even a more um, a bigger issue with their with their injury situation I mean, it just is not good. Uh, Danique, or, uh, Zaire Franklin had 11 tackles on the game. Malik Hooker had 12. There were some good numbers that way. Lindsey Pipkin stepped up. Now, what a, what a, a deal for him. <clears throat> the guy's been up and down the charts or up and down the roster, you know, all season. And he really hadn't had a whole lot of, you know, game time or practice time to get himself ready. I thought that was pretty impressive that he was so physical and really gave the Colts uh, a real kind of a spark a little bit, you know, at times and, and did his job. That was nice to see. I mean, there, look, that that's a difficult thing to do. I mean, it is a really difficult thing to do for a guy coming up and down the roster to be able to step in, play, be caught up as much as possible on scheme and ideal and, and everything and game plan for this game. So I thought Lindsey Pipkins played a, a pretty good game. All in all, I thought that there was a lot of pretty solid play from a lot of these guys, especially on some of the short notice and some of the guys who had to step in and play. Uh, big, big kind of a loss, in my opinion, was Danico Autry getting banged up a, a, again. Not, I don't think that his is necessarily as serious as some of the others, but, man, we lost a lot of guys in this game. And uh, that just isn't isn't good for the future. But <clears throat> the Colts do travel to the Jets on you know this coming Sunday, so that that might be uh, a little bit better. And kind of the and we'll talk about the schedule here in a minute. But uh, a little bit of the schedule kind of helps us out a little bit. The Colts. Eric Ebron had 15 targets, nine catches, 105 yards, two scores. Uh, he had a pretty good game. Had a couple terrible drops, but he wasn't really the the real culprit of the drops on this day. I mean, he, he on a third and 15, he dropped an easy dump pass off. All he had to do is really get up another maybe eight yards after the catch. There wasn't a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of defense in front of him either. He might have gotten that first down. He might not have. But the issue is, is it just seems like this is continuing every week now with these drops, not just with Ebron, but with a lot of these guys. Chester Rogers had a off, couple awful drops. One was a touchdown. The other one would have been a huge gain. Um, probably not a touchdown, but it would have been a huge gain, and he had a chance to break one tackle and get to the end zone. 
he ended up uh, catching eleven or eight passes on eleven targets for sixty six. And I, I thought in general he and Ryan Grant had a couple terrible drops. Pascal had obviously, if you want to dictate it this way, the worst because it turned into an interception. But Grant had nine uh, six catches on nine targets for fifty eight yards. Eric Swope had three on three with 44 for 44 yards and a touchdown. I thought he played well. There, and then let's talk about him for just a moment. There's really no reason, in my opinion, for Eric Swope to be cut again. I think we saw how raw Mo Alley Cox was. This is not apples to apples as far as I'm concerned. Swope is probably not quite as a physical blocker. But he is far and away a better route runner, receiver, and especially after the catch. We've noticed this for a while. That's why I was kind of a surprise when they did cut him originally. But in, just in general, the, Mo Ali Cox is a practice squad player. He does not need to be on this roster as far as I'm concerned. Marcus Johnson had a couple good catches, uh, especially the one that he tipped up in the ball. I mean, it was fourth in like five. He tips it up. It ends up coming back down to him. And there was a couple defenders there to uh to try and pull it out so i was pretty impressed with with what he did in short term uh in in short work pascal had one catch on seven targets for se- uh, for 12 yards that is just strange it seemed like he was more involved in the offense and i know that uh, three or four of those were drops i think on his part but that still just uh, did not uh i don't know it just didn't feel right with with all of that all in all the colts played about as well as you could expect I think for having all these injuries there were still a lot of miscues that could have changed possibly the trajectory of the game I just don't feel that this was a game that the Colts could have won even if New England had hadn't taken like kind of their cruise control break there in the second half they they just they were the better team they were much less injured and Andrew Luck did everything he could to kind of take care of that. And, and he did as well as possible. I, I, there's a lot to look forward to. There's a lot to be excited about with this. This was a game that was, you know, when you go down 24 to three at halftime, you know, you're not beating the Patriots. I mean, that's just the way it's going to be. Even if they are playing awful, awful football, they're going to have the, the necessary coaching involved in order to, to cushion, any comeback, especially from a depleted Indianapolis Colts roster right now, who really doesn't have a any kind of a top half of the league roster overall. That's just those are that's a combination of things that just aren't going to happen. Anyways, lot of season left ahead of us, but they are one and four. It's starting to look more and more bleak, like like uh, the the playoffs are are not going to happen. But when we look around the rest of the AFC South, I mean, honestly. The Titans, people are talking about them like they're the real deal, and they're averaging 17 points a game. They're like 28th or 29th in the league in points per game. We, I think we, we took, we just gave away one against the Houston Texans, and I don't mean the final play. I mean the, the spotting them 14 points, that kind of stuff. That was a bad game for the Colts. If they, if they start out at zero and they don't give up those two ridiculous touchdowns uh, right off the jump, it seems – then the Colts are in a much better position. They win that game. That's something that the Colts should do. Now, look, look at the Jaguars. Blake Bortles is as awful as everybody presumed he was. Their defense is still good, but they can't score 
if they're even if if Bortles is getting pressured at all. I mean, he is a terrible quarterback. He's having a few games. Everybody has a few good games in him. I mean, look at Josh Allen. I'm not talking about him being terrible, but he's a rookie. He's had a couple good games. Anybody can do that. The point is, is that every single team in our division right now is beatable, and the Colts could legitimately win the rest of them out, in my opinion, if they have everybody healthy. This is not a a roster uh, comparing rosters as in how like the, the Colts are as good of a complete roster as some of them. I told you guys before the beginning of the season that I think Andrew Luck keeps this team or is an eight and eight quarterback with this roster, no matter how good or bad it is. And I think that if you look at the rest of the division, Andrew Luck can win those games. Do we have enough defense? They have a good passing attack right now because of Andrew Luck, not because of the receivers necessarily. Uh, depending on who gets healthy, the offensive line has played really well. I don't think that it'd be a stretch at all for the Colts to possibly take the last five games of, of the season within the division. The AFC South is not where it should be right now, considering that everybody, including myself, thought that Marcus Mariota was a good quarterback. He's just, I mean, he's average. He's okay. You look at Deshaun Watson, he played pretty well last night against the Cowboys in spurts, but their offense is, is bleak for the most part, outside of DeAndre Hopkins. You look at their defense, their defense is beatable. Andrew Luck showed that more than, you know, more than enough when uh, in their game, especially in the second half. And I just think that it, the, the fact that we gave up a game to an Eagles team who is not the Eagles team of last year, I told you guys that off the jump. They caught fire at the end of the season. They got lucky that Foles was playing how he was. Uh, th that magic is not there right now for the Eagles. <clears throat> They've had a couple of these losses that should not be losses. We can talk all day about the Colts should be 4-1 and one instead of 1-4, and four, and that's fine. But in the end, we're not. The Colts are not. So there are some issues there that uh, they need to, to stamp out, kind of. But the Colts in general, they've got a good enough team to win the division. They do, at least within the division games. The rest of the games, we're going to talk about that right now. So let's talk about the rest of the Colts' schedule of what they've got now, especially up until the bye, the Colts now have the Jets, the Bills, and Raiders in consecutive weeks. Uh, they only have the Bills game as a home game, October 21st. But the Jets and Raiders, those two teams are beatable as well, definitely beatable. The Jets played a pretty solid game last night or uh, yesterday. But look at the look at these guys. I mean, the Bills, you don't know what you're going to get out of them. They just beat the Titans. They've been blown out already a couple times this year. The Raiders, that they're a mess. I mean, from top to bottom, you don't know what you're going to get out of any of them, Derek Carr included. Uh, the Jets, I mean, Darnold looks okay, but he has had some terrible games as well. And their running attack is is kind of sporadic. It, it, it shows up. It doesn't show up. We're going to look more at the Jets in general this week. I'm going to go through their game and kind of do what I did last week. Uh, against the Patriots and kind of showed you and we saw the results of that they used a lot of the fullback back there with Sony Michelle in the backfield and it worked and the Colts couldn't really stop much of it either and when they did the Colts were taken a piece by or taken apart by Tom Brady in the air attack but after the bye okay now the Colts legitimately could be three and four by the bye and they probably I mean even four and four they're one and four they could be 500 that would probably I mean Considering the way that the first four or five weeks went, you could consider that a win. I mean, four and four, and they've lost some games they shouldn't have. These three, if they take care of business, they're 500 going into the break, and they come back out of it 
their first three of their four, I'm sorry, first four of their five games, four of their first five games, I can't talk right now, are against AFC South opponents. The Jags, Titans, then they play the Dolphins, then they go back to the, then they go out to the Jaguars, and then they go to the Texans. Those games are extremely pivotal. What does the bye week help? What does it not? But if the Colts have any thoughts of getting into the playoffs, they have to win the next three. They've got to beat the Bills. They've got to beat the Jets. They've got to beat the Raiders. And then they can go in these divisional games and kind of try to right some of the ship because they have the opportunity to do it. After that, you've got the Cowboys at home. They have the Giants at home. And they have the Titans on the road to end the season. These are all, every single one of them, winnable games. The Dolphins have had a good game. You saw what happened when they played the Patriots. They got smoked and didn't even look like it was as close as the score should be. Um, none of the division opponents that we've got right now are are killing anybody. The Cowboys, they're not great. I mean, they just lost in overtime to the Texans, and that was about as brutal a second half as you could possibly watch as far as execution. The Giants, we don't know what you're going to get out of the Giants. They've had good games. They've had bad games as well. But here's the point. The point is, is that every single person, every single team on the rest of the Colts schedule this year is a beatable team. That is a high order. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that the Colts are going to win the rest of their games. I'm telling you that the Colts could win the rest of their games as far as I'm concerned. The Jaguars are obviously going to give them some issues with that defense. It looks like the Bills defense shows up occasionally. And, you know, some of these guys have uh, offenses that, that could be, you know, pretty impressive. The Colts are going to have a tall task when they have to stop Ezekiel Elliott, when they have them at home uh, in, in mid-December. But ultimately, this, I mean, it's hard to even try to say that the Colts should be in the playoffs or that they would be in the playoffs. But this Colts team has a legitimate shot to do it still, as far as I'm concerned, even with one and a four record after five weeks. There is a lot left for the Colts to be able to do if they can stay healthy. I don't know that I would be all that surprised if they did it. The rest of their schedule is very beneficial for them as far as I'm concerned. So a lot to look forward to still. Don't, don't completely tear your hopes out and, and just throw them away right now. There's a lot left for the Colts to, uh, to figure out here in the rest of the 2018 season. So uh, let's look now the, the pro football focus grades this week. They're, don't pay too much attention to the rank, and I may not even give you guys the rank, only because the rest of the teams, their ranks – haven't been brought into the system yet. I'm sure of that, especially being that they just played yesterday. But we will. I'll give you the grades uh, for where they did. Okay, so Andrew Luck in week four had an 82 grade overall. He's down a little bit, 81.6. Not sure that I understand that. I would assume that the the turnovers, you know, cost him pretty dearly. But I thought Andrew Luck had a great game. Those are, I mean, that's one of his best three games. So uh, I, I still don't understand that grade. Don't try to necessarily either, but this is just more informative than anything. Uh, Jordan Wilkins, he was 53rd uh, this week uh, as opposed to 48th. Like I said, don't pay too much attention to the ranks because a lot of the other scores haven't been added in. But he was down to a 55.7 from a 58.3. I'm not too sure that that makes a lot of sense to me either. I mean, if you're telling me that Jordan Wilkins played better in week three and week four than he did this past week, averaging over six yards a carry, I mean, I would love to hear the explanation for that. He just, <laughs> that's just where they've got him. Uh, Naheem Hines, again, 
getting his grade almost solely because of him as a receiver, but that's what the Colts are using him as now. Uh, 15 carries, I think, for 45 yards. I mean, three yards a carry, guys. That's nothing special. He, he did have some nice runs, I thought. He was, it does look like he's becoming a little more comfortable in the running game, but still, he is definitely, by and, and far and away, a better receiver for the Colts than he is any sort of a running back uh, as far as position specific. Ryan Grant, uh, down from a 66.9 a week four to 65.6. Drops have to hurt that. I'm surprised it's not lower, to be quite honest with you. But Ryan Grant, most of the first few weeks of the season, proved that he was one of the guys that really uh, was one of the more reliable pass catchers for this Colts team. So I don't, I wouldn't expect him to continue that. There are some others that, that worry me, though. Chester Rogers, <clears throat> I'm sorry, uh, yeah, Chester Rogers, he, he's worrying me right now because of the drops he's had. He's dropped at least two or three touchdowns this year, and he's dropped some big play opportunities. He was down from a 62.9 in week four to to 59.4 this week. I just, again, uh, his, his drops, I'm, I would have thought, would have had a better, a greater effect on his score. Uh, Zach Pascal, he went way down, and, and deservedly so. He went from a 72.3 in week four to a 61.3. So he went down 11 points this week, and he's one that worries me with the drops. He's had anything that's contested, he's struggling to catch, and he's letting the ball get into his body a little too much. This is something that he needs to work on. All in all, I think every single pass catcher, including running backs on this Colts team, they need to like be sleeping with the jugs machine. It has been <clears throat> a little too much back-to-back weeks and, and a ton of drops. Whereas in the first few weeks, this team had one of the fewest amount of drops in the league. Now they've probably got nearly the most after more than a dozen drops between the past two weeks. Uh, Eric Ebron, he's up from... 59.8 to a 65.3 a couple drops like I said but his his impression on this should have been what he did after the catch on a lot of these he was powerful he made some good he ran some good routes he had some good catches I killed him a little too much in my post game review on this after rewatching the game a little bit understanding that you know I think because of his week four performance and having so many drops in there and then combining it with at least a couple in this one that it, it, it kind of skewed my opinion a little bit I would say uh, obviously Doyle is out and this is something that he's getting Ebron is getting a ton of work right now with Doyle out the Colts desperately need Doyle back to spread these targets out a little bit and uh, and make their offense a little less predictable going forward because teams are going to be keying on Ebron. And if something doesn't work out, something doesn't change a little bit, this is going to be harder and harder to scheme Ebron open. The Raven Clark, let's get to the tackles. <clears throat> now, this is not actually in order because I've got this on a sheet, and different guys are in different spots per week. So uh, the Raven Clark. He was at 15th last week with a 72.7, down a little bit in his grade to a 69.2. All in all, what do you take of this? You take that LaRaven Clark has been good enough. That's what I take from it. Uh, you see that there are definitely some opportunities for him to be better. You definitely see that he is holding his own against some guys that you would expect to be blowing him away. All in all, guys, LaRaven Clark's had a pretty stinking good start to the season, in my opinion. I don't think that you could ask for much more, although he has been in the system a few years. I mean, I mean, with the Colts anyways, not necessarily the system, but he's been with the Colts for a few years. You would expect him to be a better tackle right now. Year three is kind of 
you know, the, the, where are they at? And I think that we know a little bit of what LaRaven Clark is, but at left tackle, he seems to be playing better than he did at right, which is a big surprise for me. Uh, Denzel Good was out, obviously. Uh, we're going to move up back and forth. Like I said, some of these aren't actually in order because of guys haven't played, guys played this week that didn't. But let's, let's go ahead and just scoot on down to Braden Smith. Braden Smith was ranked seventh today with a 78.2 grade for Thursday's game. Uh, that is phenomenal. Braden Smith played a really good game. They did help him out. They did help LaRaven Clark out, for that matter, you know, with some chip blocks, guys coming in motion, that kind of stuff. Braden Smith, be excited about that because that is a phenomenal grade for a rookie who is supposed to be a guard playing at right tackle. I thought he did excellent. Braden Smith is is definitely a good piece here for the Colts going forward he definitely improves their versatility at that position they've had a lot of guys playing tackle Braden Smith to step in and do such a good job especially with Joe Haig out now that impressed me I think that we should probably consider seeing what he can do long term there and it look I told you guys this in training camp that I wanted them to see what Braden Smith could do uh, where, you know, how long, how viable he could be at right tackle. It didn't look good right away. And I was like, okay, let's end the experiment. It's not working, but he, he's, he's, he's definitely improved. I'm very happy for him because this shows that he is a learner and learners with the physical traits to be able to do stuff. That is a great combination, especially for the offensive line. So very, I mean, big ups to Braden Smith. That was an excellent, as far as I'm concerned, an excellent game for him. Quentin Nelson back inside here. Uh, he's up quite a bit. He had a pretty good game. He was at 60.9 in week four, 65.1 now for his cumulative grade in week five. And I think that Quentin Nelson's going to be that way. They, they don't seem to sway too much in his grades. He's been in the 60s the entire time. Uh, as low as 60.9, uh, which last week was his worst grade in week four. Uh, to 61, 61, 3, 62, 9. Now he's up to 65, 1. I would expect that to climb a little bit because Quentin Nelson's just good. That's just all there is to it. Regardless of what these grades say, he's good. Matt Slauson, he went up from a 62.2 last week to a 66.8. He's been kind of up and down a little bit as well as terms of these grades, but not not drastically bad. I mean, not drastic, you know, no drastic uh, uh, changes in here. His worst was week three as a 57.4, but everything's been between 60 and 66.8. So um, you got to be excited about Slauson. He was a guy who's coming in here to improve the, the uh, power issue, the, the, the strength and the, and the physicality of this offensive line. And he's played pretty good. I think that we should – he is, believe it or not, without Slauson, in my opinion, this team is much worse. And, and it's just because he has been consistent and powerful and he's been a, he's done a good job in the running game as well as in protection. This interior in general has. Uh, Ryan Kelly, he is now 11th up from a 68.1 grade to a 69.3. He's been pretty even keel on here. He's been as high as 72.6. And 68.1 in week four was his worst grade. So you see that he is right there in that mix. He's been from sixth all the way down to 12 in terms of grade. So everything right there in the middle. I think he's had an excellent start to the season as well. We should all be pretty excited uh, about that uh, going forward. Let's look at the corners. Pierre Desir. Pierre Desir has had an excellent season as far as I'm concerned. He's been as high as 84 on his grade. He's down to 72.5, his lowest. But... 
he is still doing his job and he's doing it well. So I'm excited that he can do this. Hopefully he continues to stay healthy throughout the season. We don't want him to get injured and even the little ticky tack stuff, because then you're going to see that grade come down a little bit and the Colts are going to be a little less impressive uh, on their, on their back end with coverage. And he's been a bright spot in that. So is Kenny Moore. So, uh, I just hope that he stays healthy, to be quite honest with you. Clayton Gethers, he went out in this game. He was up at a 62.7 last week, and he's down to a 60.5 this week. I don't think he played bad. I'm really having a hard time determining how these safety snaps are being counted because, I mean, you look at him and then you go to Matthias Farley, and he was down 20 points. He caused an interception this past week, and he actually picked one off this week. But somehow Matthias Farley is down – to 66.4 his lowest grade by far in this uh short season so i'm not sure that i understand that or any of it not trying to necessarily but there's some of these you just get some question marks in your head like where where are they getting that he was pretty solid throughout the game he was good in in run support had you know a a nice amount of tackles and he had an interception and he forced an interception because of his play now if they count him being beat or something like that that's another thing but look the result ultimately you would think in this case, the way that they grade should have a little more to do with what the uh, the end result of that grade is. Malik Hooker, he is up from a 75.1 to his best grade of the season with a 78.2. I see a lot of people complaining about Malik Hooker. You guys have to watch the games, okay? Now, I know you're watching the games live, but what I'm saying is you have to re-watch the games. Watch how many times you see Malik Hooker being targeted. Not very often. He has become a guy who's had to be better against the run. He's a guy who has been solid in, in coverage. Now, look, now the, 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 the what was it, week two or week three, he runs across the field and gets a hand on a ball where a guy is wide open. That wasn't his coverage. He came all the way over to make a play, and if he picks that off, everybody's freaking out. He had three picks last year because the teams were testing him. Okay? They haven't been testing him. He's not being targeted nearly as much as last year. Go look. Just watch the game. You're not seeing. I mean, you're not seeing him. You want him to make an interception on a running play, or, or I mean, I don't understand what the complaining about is about. So go back and watch those if you if you really want to see. It's just as simple as that. Malik Hooker is not being targeted a bunch. He is not giving the ability to make a bunch of plays in the pass game. But I mean, he's been beat a couple times. I'm not. I'm not saying he's had an excellent season, but people complaining about I don't know what you want just because he's not being noticed as much this is just the way that the season's gone out they are targeting the corners much more in this scheme than they are the safeties it's just a matter of fact so Najee good he didn't have much of a score at all and I'm not really going to count that he's just not getting enough snaps and just wasn't very good to be quite honest with you Anthony Walker he went out in this game he's up to 73.3 down a little bit from a 76.6 last week um I really hope he's he's okay because he has been a nice addition to this this season's defense. I mean, he is not giving up the yards after the catch. He has been solid in coverage, and he's been pretty good against the run. He is breaking through the trash and doing a nice job. I just hope that he can get back to health. I don't think I'm I'm not I would not count on him for week six. His concussion looked pretty bad. I just. I think that if you go into week six thinking Anthony Walker is not going to play, you won't be disappointed. Um, Zaire Franklin came in, had a nice game, led the team in tackles, uh, took over that Mike role. He's uh, at a 52.9 for his grade for the year or for the, for the game. 
and you don't really go much different than that. I mean, he, he was okay. He wasn't great. He was decent. Um, and I think that's pretty fair grade to be quite honest with you. But then again, you, you're, you you're up and down, uh, between another couple, you, you go a couple points in either direction and you're not hurting anything as far as that goes. Danico Autry down from an 81.5 to an 80.4. Um, I think that Danico Autry is one of the most important players on this team, but at the same time, you've seen this team step up and take control of the game when Danico Autry has not been able to play his week three being out, you know, comes back in week four, still in the top 10 of, uh, edge defenders, though he's not technically an edge defender in this system. He's done good. I think Danico Autry has been fantastic for the most part. He is just literally everywhere once the ball is snapped. So I'm glad he, he's a big addition for the Colts. He's been, he has had grades above 80.4. In fact, 80.4 was his worst grade. He had been 82, 82, 81, five and 80.4, uh, cumulatively. That's where his grade has gone. So, uh, you have to be excited about what Danico Autry does. Marcus Hunt. We talked about this before the game. Okay. Marcus Hunt played a ton of snaps in week four, a ton. I did not expect him to have a good game on a short week. He was not great. Um, he is great as now a 74.8, uh, down from a 79.8. Just, I mean, look, he just played too stinking much. There's just no way he was, it was physical up front, especially they keyed on him a little bit. They were pulling and taking him out. He had a rough go and he got hurt too in the game. So don't know how, you know, how bad his injury is, but you know, Marcus Hunt, he just, he had to have been worn out and he looked like it. He looked like it, but he, he's still one of the Colts most important, uh, frontline defenders and, and he's going to be important throughout the season. So hopefully he gets rest in this uh, little mini buy that the Colts have going on. Grover Stewart, he is down to a 49.8. That's basically what he's been up and down between mid forties, uh, mid fifties on his grades. And he's at a 49.8 right now. Jabal Sheard, he is up from a 70.9 last week to a 71.6. Not his best grade, not his worst, kind of an average. Again, he played a ton of snaps again in week four. Really, that's about all you could expect. Um, looking at the rest of the group here, we'll get down to Kamiko Ture. His best grade to date, he came up from a 51.2 just slightly to a 51.6 in week five. That, now, these are cumulative grades. I know I've said that a couple times, but um, we're seeing kind of the evolution of what Kamoko Ture could be for this team. Full speed, getting that upfield burst, really forcing the running back to run underneath him. That's what he's going to be. He is not going to be a run defender. I mean, if he is, then he is going to be one of those guys that we're talking about next year who has really learned a lot between this year and his second year. I just don't see that happening. That's not his build. That doesn't seem to be his skill set, really. And it's just the way it is, especially when you've got a stronger and a more uh, compact guy as in Jabal Sheard, who is an op opposite of him and kind of has the the kind of the total package can can be the the pass rusher, but can also be the run defender as well. The Colts are really relying on uh, Kamoko Ture to present to to create sacks, create havoc in the backfield for the the quarterback. He is not a guy that they want, uh, kind of like Marcus Hunt, who they want to reroute the running backs in their run game. They want to make sure that the running back has to run underneath him, but that's it. Get to the quarterback, make something happen, tip a ball. Uh, get the quarterback to the ground. One of those things, that's what he's being asked to do right now. He's doing a pretty solid job in that. 
but he is one-dimensional right now. So you take what you get, hope that he grows a little bit in between now and his second year, but I think the ceiling is pretty high for him in that regard. Al Woods, he's definitely um, up in terms of, of rank, but like, again, that doesn't really make much of a difference right now because none of the grades for the rest of the players have been involved uh, for the rest of the teams. Down from a 58.9 last week to, uh, to a 57.8 this week. Uh, Woods, again, they tried dropping him. It didn't work against the Patriots because they would sit out and they had, you know, whether it was one of their slot receivers or their tight end, they just simply made it easy because they would just stop him as if they were playing against another zone. And Al Woods wasn't quick enough to make any of the tackles to get over there and try to defend any of the passes or anything like that. The Patriots saw it on tape. They knew that when they saw a defensive lineman, mostly Woods or Grover Stewart, if they saw them two drop, they were to stop their route. And it worked. It worked because everybody else around them is dropping aside from those two. So the Patriots saw it. They combated it. Uh, Jihad Ward, he's uh, down from a 68 to a 66.7 this week. I think that Jihad Ward has been a nice addition as well. Uh, Terrell Basham, you know, he was really, or he was waived this past week. So look for Jihad Ward to become that guy who can kind of move in and out and, and be what they wanted from Terrell Basham if they were going to use him at all this year, which was to add a little bit of power and to add a little bit of speed to the interior occasionally because he was not working out as a defensive end. It just was not working out. I thought this might be coming. I mentioned it a couple, like uh, probably three or four shows ago, that I thought he could be on the outs pretty soon. And he is. He's gone. He's in the. He's actually in New York with the Jets. They claimed him off waivers. And I don't think that that is necessarily – I don't think that's not a scouting issue. We'll put it that way. I think that they are scouting him, but he doesn't fit their system at all. So I wouldn't look for Terrell Basham to be there. And if the Colts want him back, they'll get him off waivers again. Uh, I don't think, I don't know if they will or not, but you, you look at what the Colts have from that 17 draft class, third, fourth round pick, all gone. Quincy Wilson, second round pick, not looking great for him. Something's up, you know, there's something there, but people are going to kill that draft class and you shouldn't because there was a lot of people who wanted Quincy Wilson. There was a lot of people who wanted Terrell Basham. You want to kill the Zach Banner draft? You go right ahead because nobody wants Zach Banner. But that's just kind of – I just just allow yourself to understand the perspective of where, you know, instead of just saying three guys, second, third, and fourth round pick, you know, aren't doing the job, two of them are gone. Yeah, that's a really blanket statement, and you're not really taking into account how many other teams were targeting them uh, or that their, their high points. Terrell Basham was expected to be a guy who could learn – and unjust, and he was supposed to be at home in this 4-3. It's not happening. Quincy Wilson was one of the best corners in football coming into the draft. He was a second-round corner, a high second-round corner. I mean, you have everybody was excited about that, not just not just Colts fans or Colts themselves. Getting Quincy Wilson and Malik Hooker and your first and second-round pick was a steal as far as the Colts were considered. So don't kill it. Just understand that this happens occasionally. Guys just don't pan out. Guys don't get to their ceiling. And guys don't actually start to develop. And that is what Basham was doing. You can say it takes a year or two to develop, but Basham was not developing at all, guys. He was not developing at all. He does not – He two years in, didn't have a second move, 
could not bull rush some of the better tackles in the league. And when you can't do that, what do you want the Colts to do? You want them to hang on to him and say, hey, you can just do this occasionally? Well, that's a waste of a pick that self. I'm more impressed that that Chris Ballard was able to say, look, it's not happening. We've got more guys coming in who were undrafted fifth and sixth rounders that we've claimed that are doing better than a guy that we drafted in the third round. And it's true. So just take it as Ballard understands, you know, that there was a mistake made and he's trying to correct it by getting rid of that mistake. That is good by me. I'd rather him do that than hang on to him and the Colts be hampered by it anytime that guy steps on the field. So um, that's all we got for you guys today. A little bit longer, a little choppier. That's my fault. But uh, we're going to be coming to you guys, man, what, four or five times this week. We should have our first uh, Horseshoes with Stephen Holder show up this week as well. So a lot to look forward to on that note. And uh, more or less, we'll try to get as much information to you guys about this Jets game coming up as well. Uh, We'll definitely do a film review on that this week. So thank you guys for coming. We'll talk to you guys soon right here on the Colts cast. Stampede Blue. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. 
when you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.